morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see you all. This is beautiful today, is it not? Um, we're going to look at the, the end of the book of Titus today. For the final time this summer, we're, we're going to look at uh, Titus, mostly, basically, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 8 to 15. Um, I'm going to read verse 4 to 15. But uh, what is it that, as, as Paul writes to Titus to give Titus instructions for wrapping up his ministry in Crete, because he's getting ready to leave there, what does he want, you know, what is the last thing he wants to, to leave Titus thinking about and focusing on and helping the church focus on? What is it that he wants us to be focusing on with our time and our energy and our effort? Listen to God's word as I read from Titus 3, verses 4 to 15. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that uh, as we look at these, uh, these words, at this passage, um, we pray that you would work by your spirit in our hearts, in our minds, help us to see what you want us to see here. And Father, we pray that you would grow us, that you would change us, that you would challenge us, that you would strengthen us, that you might use us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, devotion. Few people are devoted to something as much as Olympians are. Have you Notice that if you're a fan of the Olympics. I know there are some people who are huge fans of the Olympics. Some people could care less whether the Olympics are on or not. But the Olympics just finished about a week ago, right? I don't know how many of you guys watched any of the Olympics. I, I enjoy watching the Olympics. I'm not like a diehard fan, but I look forward to when they come around, and I watch some of the events, not all of them. Um, but uh, few people are, as, 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 as I've watched them and saw the backstory on people, there's, there's few people who are as devoted to something as Olympians are to their sport or their event. Um, we were sitting in our living room watching swimming um, one of the nights uh, a couple weeks ago, and Art came over, and he was sitting on our couch watching it with us, 
And Art has, is a self-proclaimed, you know, he's, he's not a big fan of the Olympics. That's what he tells me. He hasn't really watched them very much. And so we're watching the, 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 the swimmers get up on the side of the pool. They're like shaking their arms out, you know, getting ready to get up on the starting blocks. And a lot of them have tattoos. And, and somebody in the room noticed he had some kind of tattoo on the inside of his arm. And, and, uh, and somebody says, what, what is that tattoo? And I was like, I'm sure it's the Olympic rings. And Art's immediately like, come on, Jeff. These people's lives, you know, he, he's probably got other things his life is about than just the Olympics. It's, there could be something else tattooed on, on his arm, right? And I'm like, Art, you don't understand. You know, to, to get to this point in the Olympics, I mean, 99% of the time, maybe, maybe there's the, the rare outlier, but, but to get to that point in the Olympics, your life has to be all about that, that event. You know, swimmers, th- that's what they live uh, for. That is what they eat. That is what they drink. It, it impacts all of their life, their schedule, when they go to bed, when they wake up, um, what they plan to do, how they eat, everything. It, it, it affects everything. They are so devoted to that thing, their entire life is consumed with it, right? And sure enough, what do you think the uh, tattoo is of? The Olympic rings. Because that's, uh, that's what devotion is. It's like your life is consumed with that thing. Paul writes to Titus, and throughout his letter, if you've been listening, he has raised the, the point of good works multiple times throughout this letter. And here we get to the end, and twice, what does he say? He's encouraging, he's, he wants Titus to encourage the people to what? Be devoted to good works to be devoted to good works. Well, before we go any further, what, what, is it, what is he talking about when he's talking about good works? And I think you can kind of tease it out in the last few verses, in verses 12 to 14. I mean, he kind of gives a definition in verse 14. He says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. So in a very basic way, a good work is to identify needs, particularly urgent needs of those around you, and to use your time and energy and, and resources to help those people, to help them in the midst of their needs. That's generally what good works are. It's to, to, to care for others, to move towards others in the midst of their need, and to help them, to help meet that need. Okay? Um, Underneath that umbrella definition of good works, I mean, you can kind of see a couple examples of, of what might be good works in verses 12 and 13. In verse 12, he's, he says to, Paul says to Titus, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. Paul is in need of Titus to come and comfort him and encourage him and give him strength by just being present with him. That, that, that is a good work, to, to give encouragement and comfort and strength to others, particularly other Christians. In verse 13, he says, do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. Zenos and Apollos are likely being sent out as missionaries, really, to, to, to share the gospel with other, other people, to share Jesus, the news of Jesus, with others in the midst of their need to know God. And he says, make sure that they lack nothing. And so uh, another kind of thing that comes under the umbrella of good works is to, is to be sharing Jesus with those who need to hear. Sharing Jesus with those who don't have hope and are in need of it. And supporting those, making sure those who are doing those things um, have no lack, right? Um, But essentially, in a nutshell, good works are anytime we are moving towards others as we identify their urgent needs and and caring for them and helping them in their needs. And, And he's saying, 
I want you to be devoted to this. Your life should be consumed by this. Consumed by looking for the people around you and how they are in need and caring for them and loving them and using your energy, your efforts, the things that God has given you, your resources, your presence, your words to care for them in the midst of their needs. Our our lives should be wall-to-wall good works, just not not kind of just like once in a while when when we have the opportunity, but we should be, you know, everything should be about good works. The the sad thing for a lot of us, I think, is that we, we do understand what devotion is all about, but we are often devoted to things other than good works. We, many of us are devoted to our careers, you know. We make all sorts of sacrifices. A lot of our, our life is, is arranged around our work and getting ahead and being successful. Uh, our, our lives, many of us in, in suburbia here, um, are, are devoted to our children, right, our kids. Making sure we, we arrange everything in our life around our children so that they have every opportunity to be successful and develop all of their gifts and and, and things like that. We, we devote ourselves to our children. We devote ourselves to our comfort. You know, we, we contort ourselves and do everything we can in order to make sure that we get some time to just relax and enjoy the good things of life. We're devoted to our comfort. We're, so many of us, even in, you know, we've, we've become more and more aware of how people are devoted to their causes, right? Whether they're political or something else. We, we arrange a lot of our life, a lot of what we talk about around the things that we care deeply about. But Paul's saying to Titus, I want you to encourage the people to, to make sure that you are devoted to good works, devoted to, to, to caring for the people around you in the midst of their needs, whether they're people you know, people that are close to you, or even strangers. Let's be devoted to good works. What I want to do this morning is just quickly look at three different things he says that he highlights um, about this devotion to good works, about good works in general. I want to talk about the power for good works, the priority of good works, and the practicing of good works. Okay? So first of all, let's look at the power for good works. And this is absolutely crucial. Absolutely crucial. Where are the good works supposed to come from? Where are the good works supposed to come from? Okay? In verse 8, he says... The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. So he says, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. So it's, it's important for us to realize, to notice here, Paul isn't saying to Titus, it's important that you insist on the people doing more good works. What he's saying is insist on these things, insist on this saying. What is the saying that he's in talking about right here? That's why I had to start reading in verse 4, because the saying that he's talking about is what he has just expressed, what he is just communicating in verses 4 to 7, which is what? It's, it's the fact that God has come toward us in his goodness and loving kindness and that he has saved us not because of our works, but because of his work. That is the saying that, that Paul is saying, Titus, you need to insist on this. We experience God's love. We experience God's acceptance based not on your good works, not on what you do, but on what God has done. 
You're standing before God. Your experience of life, your experience of wholeness and satisfaction and peace is not dependent on your goodness. It's dependent on God's goodness. Verses 4 to 7, as we talked about last week, is, is all about what God has done in showing us his goodness and showing us his mercy and giving us his spirit to wash us in declaring us that we are righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done to live and die and rise again. We are declared acceptable. We are declared that we are enough and we have security in knowing that we are God's children because of what he has done, not anything that we will do. That is where the power for good works comes from. That is the engine for good works, is understanding what God has done, meditating on what God has done to love us and care for us in the midst of our urgent need in the midst of our sin, that he has sent his son to die for us. That is the engine that produces good works, that makes people, that creates people that are careful to devote themselves to good works. That is the engine. That is the power. I mean, there's no sense, Don Stahl, there's, there's no sense in having this beautiful, incredible sports car in your driveway if there's no engine in it, right? What is the point? If you can't go out and enjoy the car with the top down, driving around, what's the point? If you don't have an engine in the, in the car, it doesn't matter how incredible it looks. We need the engine. We desperately need the engine in order to actually live this out. There's a guy named Paul Tripp who is a uh, well-known speaker, counselor, author. Um, and uh, I was listening to him talk about parenting one time. And, and, uh, and he, sa- he says, like, one of the failures a lot of us have as parents is we tend to focus on the outside of our kids, on their behavior, or in other words, on their good works. And we try to like put all of these rules in place and we try to, you know, put pressure on them to act a certain way so that they will look good. And he says, this is kind of similar to being a person who's like, I really want to have this beautiful apple tree in my front yard that produces amazing apples. And so the way that I'm going to do it is I'm, you know, the, the tree that's out there, I'm, I'm going to go out and uh, I'm going to go, uh, go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy a bunch of apples, a bunch of big bags of apples. And I'm going to bring them home and I'm going to get a ladder out and some duct tape. And I'm going to climb up on that tree, no matter what kind of tree it is. And I'm just going to duct tape a bunch of apples onto that tree. Voila. I have a beautiful apple tree now. Well, first of all, it's not going to look that good with the duct tape on it, but what's going to happen? Those apples are just going to end up rotting and, and being useless. I mean, what you need to do if you want a, a, a real, true apple tree that's producing you know, beautiful, sweet, enjoyable apples is to, is to have a, a, a tree that is actually an apple tree that is healthy from the inside, right? That is growing and that is producing apples naturally. And that is what we need if we are going to have lives that are devoted to good works is we need a healthy inside, a healthy heart, a healthy life. And the only place that 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 health is found is in relationship to God, experiencing the power of the Spirit working in us, washing us, regenerating us, renewing us. And so that's why he says, you need to insist on this, Titus. You need to insist on the fact that, that we can only be made whole through God's work and not ours. That is the power for good works. But secondly, he emphasizes the priority of good works. And he says, make sure you're careful to devote yourself to good works. And then in verse 9, he shifts the subject. And he says, 
avoid a bunch of stuff, right? In verse 9, he says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So, so he, first he says, devote yourselves to good works, and then he says, avoid all of these other things. Um, basically, avoid being a divisive person. Avoid you know, foolish controversies and quarrels about, about these things that are not essential. You know, things that, that maybe are, are, are wrong, first and foremost, to be focusing on, but may, maybe things that are just not as important. I mean, he says, avoid um, quarrels about the law, right? What is more important than the law of God? And yet he knows that um, there's these, these false teachers that are, that, have, that are gaining influence in the, Crete, the church on, in Crete. And they're saying, no, we've got to focus on, you know, don't touch this, don't eat that. You know? um, getting people to focus on, on all of these rules, what to do, what not to do, instead of focusing on Jesus and what he has done. Instead of insisting on the, the grace of God in Christ. And he pits these two things against each, each other, devotion to good works and this kind of um, tendency to, to argue and quarrel about things. He pits them against each other because in the language, what does he say? He says, devotion to good works is profitable. But this quarreling, this debating about these other things that aren't essential is not profitable. It's unprofitable for people, right? In verse 9. And so he's saying, guys, make sure you are, uh, the, the thing that your life needs to be about primarily is a life that is transformed by what God has done and a life that is, is as I said, wall to wall, Caring for other people, loving other people, sacrificing yourself to meet the needs of the people around you. Looking for how they're in need. Moving towards them in the midst of their need instead of arguing over all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff that isn't essential. And this is where it gets a little tricky, though, because he does say, you know, this saying is trustworthy in verse 8. I want you to insist on these things. So it seems like he's saying there are some things that we need to insist on, that we need to, that we need to fight for, that we need to be willing to argue about, right? But then there are other things that we need to be careful that we're not just spending all of our time and effort debating about. I think um, the, the best thing that I can do is, is, is point to, the, in this passage, he says, this is what you need to insist on. You need to insist on the grace of God. You need to insist on the work of Jesus Christ. You need to insist on the work of the Holy Spirit and what God has done to work to love us and, and bring us into his family. And then there's all these other kind of secondary issues that we need to be careful that, that I guess my, my point is this. We need to be sensitive to our own hearts and saying, and, and looking at myself, am I a person who is more prone to kind of arguing with people about stuff? Or is my life exhibiting a, a, a more um, preoccupation for how I can serve others and care for others and love them? Am I more prone, is, is it easier for me to just argue with people about what's right and what's wrong? Or am I more inclined to find out and to listen for how somebody's hurting and in need so that I can move towards them and care for them and love them. We need the wisdom of the Spirit to do this. We need the wisdom of the Spirit. But, uh, but, but he clearly says the priority here is a life that is displaying good works all over the place because of what God has done for us. 
because of the ultimate good work that God has done for us in Jesus. That is the priority. Finally, I want to address the practicing of good works. And, and when I say practicing, I'm not really talking about the actual doing of the good works. I kind of am. But, but rather, I'm talking about practice. Practice in the sense that when, when you, you practice things in order to get better at them, in order to learn how to do something, right? In verse 14, he says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Let our people learn to, to devote themselves to good works. And this is the, this is the point I want to make. Um, when it comes to good works, uh, we have said that, that good works are things that, that should grow out of our understanding of what God has done for us, right? We insist on the grace of God and meditate on that and experience that and understand that, and that produces a life that is devoted to good works. But, but when we look at it that way, it can be tempting for us to be like, okay, I'm going to believe in Jesus, and now I'm just going to wait for those works to just kind of like, you know, when, when it looks like it may be easy for me to, to, to help somebody, I'll do it. Those things are just going to come naturally. I don't have to think about it at all. I don't have to address it at all. But he says, no, we, want, we need to learn to devote ourselves to good works. What, what, are, what are some characteristics of the learning process? What are some characteristics of the learning process? Well, you learn things by practicing them, um, which takes discipline. It, uh, it takes time. It takes repetition. It takes a willingness to do things that are uncomfortable, especially when the discomfort makes you want to give up. For example, um, when anybody tries to learn to play the guitar, I don't know how many of you guys have ever tried to learn to play, play the guitar. When you start learning to play the guitar, it's very uncomfortable. You have to like move your fingers in ways that you have never moved them before in order to hold these strings down in certain ways so you can play a chord. And when you're first starting out, you're, you're, the tips of your fingers are all like soft, you know, and so you have to hold these steel strings down. As you hold them down, it's, it's, it's painful. They get raw until you start building up some calluses and it gets easier to play. And, and it's very awkward to try to like do that and try to strum in a time that's not, that doesn't sound weird and bad and, and out of time and everything like that. It's, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and it's painful. And for a lot of people, you know, you start trying to play the guitar and you're just like, oh, I'm not going to do it. It's too hard. It takes persistence in, in continuing to persevere and, and, and work through that pain in order to get to a place where, where you can do it more naturally. It takes practice. And I think it's really helpful for us to realize that this is true about good works as well. This is true about good works. We, we hear that our devotion to good works should flow out of believing in God and trusting him. But, but again, as I, I said, some of us are just like, okay, I'm going to believe in Jesus, and then, you know, when it's comfortable, when it's easy, when there's an opportunity, I'll, I'll help somebody. <laughs> I'll give to a cause or whatever. Um, I'll give my time. I'll share Jesus with somebody when it's like staring me in the face and I'm not afraid, you know, that I'm going to be humiliated or rejected. Um, but, but here, I think we need to recognize that, that we need to be a little bit more disciplined in scheduling practice. In, in scheduling good works into our lives and actually doing things on purpose, things that maybe are going to be uncomfortable and painful and to keep at it so that, that we, we fill our lives with more of it and it becomes more natural. 
here he urges us to, to learn, learn to devote ourselves to good works. Okay, so this, this means that we may be faced with opportunities to love and help others, but that it might feel really uncomfortable, really unnatural as we do it. And it's going to be hard, but we need to push through and work at repeatedly sacrificing for others in need, repeatedly reminding ourselves to think of others and encourage them. Giving generously is something that might make us feel pain or raw until we start building up giving calluses where it becomes easier to share with others who are in need or, or with ministries that need to be supported that are sharing the gospel of Jesus. Inviting people into our homes might feel like you're trying to, you know, stretch yourself in positions that you weren't meant to be stretched into for some of us. Others of us, it's a natural thing, but for some of us, it's like, ah, this is hard. But that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't be trying to do it and, 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 and offering hospitality to others in order to love them, in order to develop relationships with them. Um, our experience of doing foster care has been, I think, a, a good example of this, where when we first started doing foster care like nine years ago, um, in theory, it sounded like a really good idea. And it was, it was like, you know, this is a really good picture of what God has done to care for us, to adopt us into his family, and to love us in the midst of our struggles and issues and sin. And so in theory, it sounded like a good idea. And then we, and then we went through the training, and we, and, and we had our first kids come into our home and start, you know, living with us. And uh, when that happened, it was awkward. It was painful. It was uncomfortable. You know, lying in bed and realizing that there's a stranger lying in bed across the hallway, not knowing what they're going to do. It's crazy uncomfortable. And, and there's all, this, all these things that say, oh, no, this, this, isn't, this, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. No, we shouldn't be doing this. But, but like, the more we did it over the years, we have built up calluses in a sense. And it's become a, a, just a natural part of the fabric of our lives, right? Because we made that decision at one point to do something that was hard and uncomfortable and painful and to stick with it. And I think that's what all of us need to think about doing as we live our lives and as we follow Jesus. We need to be thinking critically, you know, what are some specific things that I can do that might be awkward, that might be painful, that might be uncomfortable in order to meet the needs of those around me, the needs of those who I don't know, the needs of those in my family, the needs of those uh, who are friends of mine. I need to start scheduling practice as I said before, we need to start scheduling practice, you know? And, and maybe scheduling practice for you is, is doing something like big and major with like all of your life. Maybe it's considering doing foster care. You have a house that is big that you have room for, to bring children into. And, and you've already dismissed me by even just mentioning that. But, but because it sounds just too uncomfortable, too like out there. But maybe you need to consider it because this is an opportunity to do good works. But there's all sorts of other things besides doing foster care where we can demonstrate hospitality to those who are in need, to those who, you know, who, who maybe are single. If, if you're a family, a person who is single, to, to invite them into your family, to be a part of your family. You know? um, to, to be more generous with your money, to try to identify maybe people who might need help financially. Or an organization that is proclaiming the gospel that might need help financially to, 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 to try to give more, even though that might be uncomfortable. 
We need to start scheduling practice. Maybe it's, maybe it's saying, okay, I'm going to start maybe every week. I'm going to try to share Jesus with one person every week for the next couple months. Whether it's a stranger or somebody that I know, a friend of mine, I'm going to try to do it just one time a week. And then maybe after a few months, if, you, if you've done that, if you've persevered in that, maybe you can start doing it twice a week in order to, to share Jesus with those who need to know about him and hear about how much he loves them. Maybe it's just, you know, the, the people with you li- that you live with, maybe you, you can say, well, I'm, I'm going to, every night, no matter how tired I am, every night I'm going to find one way that I can serve the person that I'm with, the family, the people that I live with right now. No matter how tired I am, every night I'm going to find one thing to do to serve them, to look for their needs, to help them. We need to practice we need to practice so that, we, so that we learn to devote ourselves to good works, okay? And so um, this, I realize, maybe sounds a little overwhelming to really consider doing this. Um, but let me just leave us with this. In verse 14, he says this. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. This is what Paul is concerned about, is that, that, the, that the church in Crete, after they believed in Jesus and received all that God has done for them, that they would then just live lives where there is no fruit, fruitless lives. And it makes me think of Jesus' words in John 15, when Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room. You probably recognize this, this passage when he talks to them, and he, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will what? He'll bear much fruit. As we abide in Jesus, as we are connected to Jesus, we will see fruit in our lives. As we see fruit in our lives, what, what is that? That's an opportunity to see the reality of Jesus, our connection to Jesus and his power working through us. Okay, that's what this fruit is. And so, so these devoting ourselves to good works is an opportunity to see fruit which means it's an opportunity to see the reality of Jesus and his power working through us to, to, to care for people, to love people, to change people around us. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of the presence of Jesus. I want to see more of the power of Jesus working in my life. And so do you realize that as we devote ourselves to good works, as we practice good works more and more, this is just more opportunities to see the reality of the person and presence of Jesus here and now in my life. I want that. If you have received God's love, then you will want that too. So I encourage us all, think about this week, what is... What is one step, one practical step that I can take to practice a greater devotion to good works? To identify the needs of those around me, to move towards them in their need and to love them, to help them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, uh, this passage. We thank you for this book of Titus. Um, and Father, we, we pray that you would save us from... Um, lives that are unfruitful. Father, we pray that you would show us 
how you have loved us to, to move towards us, to come to us in the midst of our need and to sacrifice for us so that we might be, be forgiven and made whole and given a, a true opportunity for joy. But Father, we pray that you would help us, though, um, as we have come to you and been received by you and loved by you, Father, help us to, to really take initiative and action to display that same kind of love to those around us. Father, um, we are inadequate for the task. We need you to work in us. You are the engine. You are the power. Your, your gospel, your love. So, Father, we pray that you would take our hands, even though they're empty. Take our feet, even though we stumble. 